on one of the major news outlets here, KTLA, the mm -hmm. other day, uh, detailing a young man, Ethan, That's who uh, got treatment at the Center for Autism and Related Disorders and recovered from autism as a result of those treatments. We've shown his story. We actually showed the KTLA piece yesterday on the show. Oh, great. And a firestorm of people commenting about it, a whole yes. lot of attention that this has garnered, a lot of people excited to see this story. Right. Um, and some people who have some negative feelings that came along with this. Yeah, um, yeah. So thrilled to have you here to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, thank you. It's a good opportunity for me to talk about it. I actually have been pretty removed because I've been doing a training with my staff for the yes. last few days. Um, but I did uh, hear that there were some comments from families that were um, kind of upset about the news coverage. And I think uh, the few that I saw more or less pointed to, you know, they, they had statements like, uh, how dare you give false hope to families and there is no such thing as recovery and so on. And you know, as a psychologist, I have to be able to sit back and understand what some of these families are going through. And I think I can um, understand their perspective. Um, you know, and I think what it is, Shannon, is honestly a, a few different things. One is when we, obviously for all of us, our, our kids are probably the most important thing in our lives and, and we will do anything to get them to um, feel better and or function better or you know and that's why we work so hard to put our kids through school and this and that the other thing for their futures and I think that obviously we don't have all the answers if we did um, that would be wonderful we'd be helping every child recover we don't and what we know today is much more than we did 10 years ago much more than we did 20 years ago and every day that goes by and I've said this many times on this show um, I learn a lot from my kids, from the kids that I work with, from the parents that I work with, a lot, constantly. And things that we did 10 years ago perhaps would have helped kids that we were treating 20 years ago. And things that we're doing today in therapy um, would have helped kids that we, you know, that didn't benefit because right. we just didn't know some of these things. Right. As an example, a lot of the things that we are teaching our kids over the past, let's say, decade, um, is, you know, we're, we're taking kind of the, at card, we take sort of the, the process of ABA or behavioral intervention and the, the techniques of ABA and we apply them to personal issues and cognitive concepts and executive functioning type activities and things that nobody would imagine that you can take an ABA uh, process or a series of ABA protocols and use them to teach a child how to tell jokes or to teach a child how to um, know the difference between thinking something and believing something, you know, those types of really abstract concepts. And so 
as we do this, we're entering with our kids in treatment a whole new world and they're benefiting from it. You know, it's kind of like we've now really merged the behavioral and the cognitive things yeah. that we know and it's made a big difference and a lot of our kids continue to do very, very well. Yeah. And when I say very, very well, I am very sincere in saying they recover. They, I'm not afraid of saying that and I don't, I hate the fact that people get upset or think that I, you know, I've dedicated over 30 years of my life to this. And for someone to think that I or any of the people at CARD or anyone who actually steps up and says, uh, hey, my child recovered or I am a recovered person yeah. or those types of people that it would have anything to do with making money. How exactly yeah. would I be making money? And yeah. we've had at CARD, We've had a waiting list for God knows how long, yeah. which we can't even meet the needs of fast enough because we don't want to grow so fast that our quality goes down. So we are growing. We're trying to help everyone. I don't need more patients. I, I don't. There's right. no, this is not a publicity stunt, you know. I, the truth of the matter is I've had kids recovering with me all the way back to 1990. I mean, I have children right now who are in their mid-20s, who are getting PhDs, who are in various grad programs, who have functional jobs all over the world, who right. are have girlfriends and boyfriends. Yeah. Um, and, and I have kids right now who are seven years old and just recovered. Yeah. Like, you know, Ethan, who was on the program, do you really think that we taught him what to say or that his, we paid his family to come and say right, that? Right. It actually had nothing to do with us at all. In fact, I wasn't even present for that whole interview, and right. that's why Johnson was kind enough to step in. So this is not a hoax. Right. You know, it really isn't. Um, the truth is, in as many, in, we're, we've learned how to identify in some of our kids, not all of our kids, but in some right. of our kids, we've figured out how to identify all the things that caused their autism to begin with and we've learned ways to control those things that means stabilize the child medically yeah. help the child sleep better and then we've learned uh, how to teach in a way that the child can receive the information integrate it into their system use it functionally in their environment and then also most importantly um, it's important that some of our, that a lot of our kids learn how to observe and learn from their environments. So it's not all everything we do. I mean, the credit goes to I would say more than anyone, obviously, the child because yeah. it's really hard work for these kids for years, yeah. but also for their parents because it's sort of an integrated thing. It's not just oh strict behavioral. First of all, we're not strict in that sense. We do a lot of cognitive work with our kids, and then we. Make Make sure that there's uh, the diets are healthy and good for the kids. We make sure that our kids are sleeping well. As I said, if they need medications at any point, and we consult with physicians, and they're on the medications when they need to be, and then we help. We're there to help to fade them off. We make sure our kids are getting all the supplements and nutrients they need. All of that sort of stuff. So it's a, the parents are the ones that do, I think, the hardest work because they have to integrate everything and they have to generalize everything we teach the child and they are the ones that help us identify 
every step of the way what's wrong or what's still not happening or what's going the wrong direction or all those types of things and without that it's a, it is a complete team effort but you know to say that we're making money off of this or that um, we have another agenda. I mean, I don't know if I told you at some point even a group of behavior analysts here in, in the Valley had um, uh, had uh, written a, a very angry letter to me and were uh, complaining to my board that I am using the word recovery in order to market myself or something like that, which is just ridiculous. It's it's funny for me where people's minds go. It's kind of uh, illuminating, actually. But, um, you know, there is no marketing in this. This is not about marketing. I don't, if I could recover 100% of the kids I have right now, that would be what the goal of whole, this whole thing is for right. me. That's it. <laughs> so, right. And, and also, having said that, I mean, it's understandable for a parent who has an older child to feel really bad about perhaps having missed an opportunity or not even missed, perhaps having decided that they don't want to go this path. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people, of course, would decide ABA is not for me. Yeah. And that is due to a multitude of reasons, and that's fine. It doesn't mean that you made a mistake as a parent. It doesn't mean that the, the, the opportunity passed your child. It simply means that you have a different path in life. That's all it is. Yeah. And a lot of our kids who don't recover, um, thankfully, they do better and better and better. Yeah. I mean, um, and and very few children don't benefit at all. Right. Okay, very very few. I mean, I could count those that I and those are the kids who just have so much impairments in their memory that it's very hard for them to retain anything or other health issues that interfere. Right. But I mean, I could go on and on about this. I'll stop. It's just that it kind of disturbed me because, as you know, one of our. Um, uh, older uh, kids who's yes. in college also I think commented on one of the social media sites yes and he had a pretty nasty response to his comments I yeah. think yeah in fact he messaged me yesterday and I'm not going to disclose because I uh, you know not that you know he's not public about being out there but um, what's interesting to me and you know you guys can go on on the card site and see the comments that were made you know people have an emotional response i'm a parent uh and my child has not recovered but my child has made so much progress mm -hmm. that i'm a thrilled parent mm -hmm. um and and we still refer to him as recovering that yeah. we're still getting there yeah. you know and um and as I look at the comments and I see the things that parents wrote in and in amongst them, as we said, this young man who is one of the kids who recovered wrote a beautiful comment on there and some people, uh, what, did one he, what is he right now? Uh, you know what? Him? I should, I should bring it up. But the, the point is that, um, the person didn't realize that they were talking to somebody who'd recovered. They thought they were talking to a parent, which in and of itself drives home the point because they were saying this is impossible, right. but you were talking to a person that you thought was a parent you weren't you were talking to a recovered kid yeah um which yeah. you know there's a there's a, yeah. a, a bit of irony there um and i can tell you that as a parent early on when i heard about recovery um it intrigued me and i was in early days uh to talk about it but um 
I wanted to know what it looked like because a lot of people were saying, oh, there is no such thing. And I've had the opportunity now to see it. And so many of our older uh, adults and adolescents. Yes. Yeah. It's not a unicorn. It exists. <laughs> it, it, exists it exists and it exists in different forms. It's funny yes. because sometimes what happens to my recovered adolescents or adults is that uh, people will really try to find something wrong with them. You know what I mean? Yes. Like they're constantly... I, I'm included in that. I sit and look at them with yeah. a fine <laughs> yeah. big microscope and go, okay, what right. am I looking at? I'm looking for cracks. It's amazing to me. And it's, it's um, you know, everybody is different. Everybody has strengths and weaknesses. It's funny that if one yeah. of us has, let's say, um, a diagnosis of something else, I don't know, bipolar disorder. Right. Nobody's going to come and say, oh, but you know, this person was kind of manic on one day and right. sort of passive on the other day. I think he probably has something still going. Right. So, you know, people are very much like that, which is very brave of Ethan's family to yes. go out there and do that. I don't know if they watch the show or not, but I have to thank them. And I'm going to thank them, of course, again in writing because I just love that family. Awesome parents. They did go through a, a major amount of work and sacrifice to get financial Ethan there. strife. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And to, for you know, I was happy that it was Ethan because hey, you can have a conversation. You can ask Ethan anything. He's not just recovered. This kid is superior. Like I swear to God, this Beautiful. kid is so awesome in so many ways, and you can't trick him. You know what I mean? He's just right on. Well, he's lovely. I've not had the opportunity to meet him yet, but when he sat there with that beautiful face, oh, he's, he's a beautiful. beautiful child, and he says, yes, I'd like to be an actor, and then he thinks about, is there something else he'd like oh, to do? And I was thinking, I no, know. that's already done. Yeah. I'm sure an agent has already called them. He's yeah. a beautiful child. Yeah. So I wanted to read what uh, the, the recovered adult had to say. He said, Card is not saying that recovery is guaranteed for all clients. Rather, it is only a possibility. Furthermore, the amount of time in which a client can improve depends on what age they are diagnosed, the severity of the condition of the <laughs> autism or related disorder they are diagnosed with, and how many areas in which they need to improve. It just so happens that Ethan was diagnosed with high-functioning autism, so that played a large role in his being able to overcome the odds in such a short amount of time. Remember, autism is what not who. Ethan just happens to be a specific example of somebody who has recovered, but no two individuals with the disorder are the same. That is from a young man who recovered. Oh, I love him. That's amazing. And, and, and of course, the response back was, you know, mm -hmm. how big is your wallet? Thinking that they were a parent who could afford the treatment and it was a bit is of a... Is that what the yes. response was? The response was, and how big is your pocketbook? Right. Um, and, but... Okay, okay. And that is a very good point. And let's talk about that for yes, a moment. Yes, let's talk because, about that. You know, and it's funny because we we've had this issue going on for years where parents would get angry at us because it is expensive. It is. Now... Um, are we making tons and tons of money on this? No. I mean, I'll, I'll, possibly my lawyers and advisors wouldn't want me to say, <laughs> I barely make my payroll, uh, you know, which is right now over $2 million every two weeks. CARD is a big organization, mm -hmm. and I am paying a lot of people. And, you know, parents will come back and say to us, um, you have high turnover. We don't like the schedules because the therapists uh, are changing or, you know, a therapist will quit in a given year or something like that. Okay. 
What do we do? We give a wage increase that literally, this happened last year, across all card locations that literally costs card, was an additional two million mm -hmm. in, in what wages, okay? And that's just, you know, with the number of people we have, that's not a, it's a, Pretty good bump. I mean, I would say a lot of the, th the very ground level therapists are now making much, probably more than other agencies. Mm -hmm. And that's because we train our people well, we want to keep them for you. We want to keep them for our families. We want to keep them for our kids, okay? Mm -hmm. So that you don't have turnover, you don't have to deal with a new therapist getting to know your child. Um, we have our staff driving everywhere to see our kids. Mm -hmm. We pay, literally, Shannon, 1.4 million in mileage per year that's all and just mileage right right just and you know these are some of these are just California numbers right. forget about the other states but what I'm saying is we do that and that causes us to um, you know our, our what we charge and we don't really charge families now we, right. we have very very few private families uh, I would say 95% of our clientele are uh, school districts or regional centers, which is the Department of mm -hmm. Developmental Services, or insurance. Right. And of course, we have grants. Like in Texas, we have a state grant that allows us to access the grant and then the family just gives like 10% of the mm -hmm. cost or 20% of the cost and it's really, really worked out well. Mm -hmm. So we do whatever we can and just, you know, as for people hearing this, it took one of my research staff half a year to put that grant together in Texas in right. order to be able to get access to those funds. Right. So, I mean, this is all just, we, we're not like lining our pockets. Right. And this is not something that we want to put pressure on families either. Right. I mean, five minutes before I came down to the studio, I sent out my third request to all card staff uh -huh. saying, please help donate money because yeah. I'm trying to cover co-pays for families who have high co-pays and yeah. they can't and the regional centers nobody will pay their co-pays yeah. so i'm trying very hard to help families having said that parents have every right to be angry i'm angry with you yeah. just don't be angry at us <laughs> you're trying it's to help ours. be angry at the the and you know the real cause of this is just that this is a new um, an increasing disorder. Yeah. We, you've lived it, you know, and I've lived it now for over 30 years, but it is relatively new to the entire government, state right. or federal. We just got insurance funding in, in California. It was only like eight months ago. Yeah. So this is very new to the whole system and the country has to figure out a way to be able to manage the costs of this yeah. without causing other problems. And believe me, this is really, really expensive, not only because of the three or four years of work that we do intensively, more so because when children don't do well, if they don't get these interventions for four years early on, they become a lifelong cost yes. to the government. And that is what we're trying to help with as well. We're trying to help our kids be able to get through school, be able to go to college, be able to get functional jobs um, and all of these types of things so that it's not lifelong for the family, for the country and so on. 
and, and <laughs> no, I, I I'm love kind of passionate about it. Because... Well, absolutely. And I think these things have to be addressed. And one of the things that, uh, to feed off of what you said, something that somebody posted in this discussion was about the ribbons and, and why we wear these ribbons right. and what we want you to do is to sign a petition because signing that petition helps more children to be able to get these therapies because it helps, it doesn't completely level the playing field, but it helps to level the playing field. I will tell you, and I've said this before on the show, if it had been up to my wallet to pay for the therapy that my son got, it wouldn't have happened. Right. I didn't have the money to do it. And fortunately, I was, I lived in a state where there was some support. We had to fight for it, but there were parents around me who said, this is how you fight for it. And we were told to be at card and card fought for us. Oh yeah. I mean, that's another thing. And you do, your your contracts department fights for families. And I, in a way that I don't think anyone else can say that they do. So do know that the, the money is a part of it and that things are being done and what you can do today, sign the petition. It's on our website at the bottom has the infinity ribbon, sign the petition and more importantly, share it with others and ask them to sign it. Absolutely. And just, you know, now that you brought that up, Shannon, it's like, I, I have, I could go back years like as far back as, as I started CARD. And I've testified on behalf of families when there was no other type of funding. And we've started the whole series of school district funding that occurs in California. We have for years and still continue to um, fight on behalf of the families for everything, not just their initial contract, but like ongoing. I mean, I just, CARD just sponsored a bill. We just sponsored a bill that's right now, it's uh, sort of a, just a placeholder. But what we are trying to do is in California, we're trying to really ask the other sources of funding, like regional centers to be more flexible and to be more committed to helping with these copays and deductibles to allow families to go to work. You know, right now, one of the limitations on our funding is that uh, the parent has to be present in many cases. And so, you know, of course we want to train our parents, but that doesn't mean they have to be present 30 hours a week. Right. So, you know, we're trying to fix things so that the future is a little bit easier on our parents. It is hard and it is sad. Having said that, I've also, I also have a young gentleman, as I told you, is just about to, you know, the next year starting uh, Georgia Tech yeah. and in a doctoral program there. And um, his mom, you know, they live in rural, I mean, rural Idaho, like very, very far out, close wow. to nothing. And his mom um, actually, when he was little and when we started treating him, he was a workshop client where one of our supervisors would fly out there. There was no such thing as Skype or internet in those days. And so the supervisor would fly out there. Sometimes it would take her, I don't know, eight hours just on um, road transport after flying there to get to their home. And then um, they they couldn't afford to hire a whole ton of therapy. There were no such people in the past. And so they had their neighbors. They had neighbors, mom, teachers who were willing to help everyone and mom hired as many people as she could and then had volunteers coming we trained all of them and guess what he recovered yeah and so like you know as parents what i suggest is just put your energy into trying to help get some more funding into this field and 
I apologize that our science has not advanced enough to be able to help every child. Um, we're doing the best we can with yeah. what we know. And, you know, we try to learn as yeah. much as we can every day. Absolutely. Very well spoken. I think we should take a break and sure. come back. We have a bunch of questions that people have been asking, but I'm so right. glad we had an opportunity to talk about this. And you can keep your questions coming in if you have more questions. Stick with us. Welcome back to Ask Dr. Doreen. We're here with Dr. Doreen Grampachet, a true visionary and expert in the field of autism. Thank so you. thrilling to have you here and asking, answering people's questions. We had a question come in that kind of goes hand in hand with some of the things that we've been talking about. A person wrote and said, uh, and this was on uh, Dr. Doreen's uh, Facebook that this okay. came in. Uh, I just want to ask, uh, how much does it cost to treat my autistic son, age four? We are in Pakistan. Right. And we've been talking about the cost and the different ways in which we treat uh, autism. And it really depends on where you are, which channel you might have available to you. That's and, right. But it's going to be expensive no matter where, except yeah, there are so opportunities. There are certain cases where, so if you were, you know, obviously in California, there's three, four sources of funding in other states. In the U.S., there are some other sources of funding in each state. What we've done, I mean, and this is actually, it's funny because it ties into the previous conversation yes. where one of the reasons many years ago I realized, okay, there's just never going to be enough funding to support these families because the number of kids are increasing so fast and it's such a battle to get funding for them. So that is exactly why we started to develop skills. Yeah, That was the primary reason. In fact, we uh, before technology, we started writing out these books, which for every lesson that we developed for our kids, we'd put in a manual and try, we were trying to organize them in a published form, which we are still, we're going to do that this year, actually, because so many people have asked for book form yeah. skills, so we're doing that. But, you know, at some point when the internet took off, I realized, I don't know that I should even do a book anymore because it's massive. It's like it had actually turned into eight manuals that were each yes. that big, you know, and I was like, this is crazy. So we started to, uh, we hired these really good programmers in Europe and asked them to put skills together for us. And the main reason was to help families at very low cost access everything we know and not have to use us. Yeah. That's the honest truth. And, uh, you know, talk about like, I don't know, 10 lawyers at least said to me, you're crazy. You're not only putting your um, proprietary information out there, but you are just giving away your stuff at very, very low cost. In fact, we've talked about this before. When we had the first parent group that did the, the uh, focus group on skills, they, I think the consensus was charge about 240 or 250 a month, and we ended up going to, I think, 75 a month yes. for licensure on skills. For the family in Pakistan, what you can do is use skills. Skills is, um, and you'll need to use the IBT website as well, mm -hmm. which is, so what you do is you hire some um, therapists, uh, and when I say therapists, they don't have to have anything. I mean, I, the only criteria you want is people who love children and have a lot of energy. That's it. So, and I want to point out when you say hire, because you mentioned this before, a lot right. of families have done it with volunteers. Absolutely. So hire means a whole lot of different things. Absolutely. If you can get volunteers, even better. A lot of families use, uh, go to their church mm -hmm. and get volunteers. So, 
um, get a group of about four people together or five people together because somebody might not work out and then go on those there are websites which is institute for behavioral training dot com dot com mm -hmm. um, and uh, what I think it's called I behavioral training dot com that's exactly what yeah it is. I, I behavioral training dot com and what you will see on there is a um, series of modules of training and this is just web-based training and I would just start with a very basic in fact you should probably get the parent ones and go through the parent ones and it'll give you an understanding of some of the basic stuff. And then you should, when you have this team of people go through the therapy ones, therapists, mm -hmm. so, or paraprofessional, I'm not sure how we refer to it there, just the basic first level. Once they've gone through these, and that's very low cost as well, yeah. and that's like, I think, $10 a module. Some of them are actually $7.50. Yeah, they go that nothing. low. Right, it's pretty low. And so once you've gone through all of that, and they, uh, can't, they will take tests and stuff on the way too, so they'll actually understand some of the information. After that, you will contact us or some other agency that also does what's called workshops, or we call them remote services. Mm -hmm. And the agency will um, give you or assign to you a supervisor. And the supervisor is someone who will guide and oversee the program and continue to train your staff and do an assessment on your child and evaluate exactly what your child needs and where to go and all that. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of the, the supervisor of the whole thing. Right. And this person will connect with you, send you out a bunch of paperwork and you fill it out and start the assessment process. This is where um, then the supervisor gives you a passcode. This is one way you can go by mm -hmm. accessing a board certified supervisor. Right. If you do it with us, then you're one of our patients, which means that you will have access to skills at no cost. Mm -hmm. If you don't do it with us, then that's perfectly fine as well because that uh, skills is pretty inexpensive. Mm -hmm. Then you'll go on the skills website and that is just, which one is it? Skillsforautism.com? Skillsforautism.com. And on there you will become a member and it'll be $75 a month. Mm -hmm. And if you have a bunch of families that do this with you, as a group then the price drops mm -hmm. um, each of you go it'll drop all the way down I think large groups are paying something like $12 a month it's nothing mm -hmm. so you just keep going down and you get a group of families and you sign up and once you've signed up that you will enter this the section called assessment or index and this will ask you thousands of questions about yes. your child like thousands you put in your child's age yes. and all of the age appropriate questions will come up from birth to your current ch ch child's current age level and then you answer all of those as best as you can the ones you can't go into a probe section and the system tells you how to probe those things or find out whether yeah. your child can or cannot do these things it's just simple questions like can your child do this can your child yeah. do that and so it's yes or no yeah and uh, you answer all that and then the program develops a, a, an exact program for you and says these are the things your child needs and now we're gonna select the um, top 20 programs that your child should be working on because most kids will need about 200 300 skills they're lacking and out of the two or 300 you'll pick the top the the youngest 20 so things that are the most delayed and then uh, your team of therapists will know how from the IVT site and they'll know exactly how to teach it because it's written out in great detail in the language they've just learned from the IVT site and you start teaching your child those skills and it'll also there's a BIP builder there we tell you we treat help you 
deal with behaviors. I do personally recommend that you connect with a supervisor because supervisors will be able to fill in all the things we haven't been able to fill in with a computer system right. and they'll help you understand things better and guide you and it'll work. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, great, great question. And, and so glad you had an opportunity. We've got a bunch of questions that have come in. There was one question because we talked a lot about last week about EEGs and seizures sure. and uh, <clears throat> a follow up. A parent had said that they were getting a seizure done and they wanted to know how to prepare the child. They were for getting an EEG. EEG, excuse me. Yes. And, um, oh. and they wanted to know how to prepare the child. We had Kate Gutchell give some advice about how to prepare the child and rehearse and what questions to ask and set up the environment. Um, and the parent has since written back and said that the doctor has decided not to do the EEG. Okay. Um, but she's wanting to know, this is a question for Dr. G, uh, for an absence seizure, how can you tell the difference between daydreaming and an actual seizure? Her teachers have noticed it and they have more experience with seizures. I'm a newbie at this. Any help would be great. Um, and they're wondering, they're thinking about asking the pediatrician to order the EEG now instead of the neurologist because the neurologist has backed off from it. I would still try to get the EEG done. And, and it's a really simple question you're asking. We all daydream. Mm -hmm. Does anybody notice? I, sometimes people notice very when rarely, right? Yeah. Occasionally. So if your child is, if teachers are noticing that your child's drifting off more so than anyone else, mm -hmm. do an EG. Okay. <laughs> it's more likely to be something other than daydreaming. Okay. So you should definitely check it out. And you know, it doesn't matter if it's subclinical seizures, it'll show up on an EG. Okay. And so that's, that's, I think what you're trying to ask, but um, and the best way to measure seizures is still the EEG. Okay. And of course, I would assume that your pediatrician or someone has also done some biochemical panels to make sure there's nothing else going on with your child. Okay. So, you know, this is a medical checkup and I don't, where is this family? Do we know where they are? Um, I believe that this family is in the Midwest and that this is a, a young woman who I believe is 15 is the, yeah. is who's, she's one. I mean, there's the a very, very good physician in, in Chicago area. Okay. That's Dr. Anju Usman, U-S-M-A-N. Okay. Anju is terrific. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know where else, where exactly they are, but I mean, I'm happy to actually help if they want to email us. We can give okay. them some referrals. Okay. And I think they have emailed before, so I think I can hook you up uh, directly. Yeah. And they are There's capable of very getting good to Chicago. They're pretty close to Chicago. Yeah, great. It's, it's a bit of a trip, but not in uh, not impossible. Okay, terrific. Uh, okay, great. So I'll make sure that to hook you up with their email. Fabulous. Um, had another question that come in uh, came in. Excuse me. Uh, hi, Dr. Doreen. I'm sorry if this question is not directly related to your profile, but I do not want to miss the chance. Dr. Doreen, is the weak cry of a child at birth a possible possible causation factor for ASD? I had an epidural at nine centimeters, and my son cried weekly at birth and had Apgar stars at scores of six and nine. He was kept under observation uh, for a bubble in his lungs and thankfully it got dissolved on its own. And after um, that, he had all of his miles, hit all of his milestones beautifully. He had no issues until 10 months until he had a minor surgery. However, he did not 
form a special bond with me, his mother. He did have some language not very functional until 15 months, and then it vanished until we started treatment at 3.7 years. In such cases, how to come to know whether he had ASD at, at his birth or later? Right now, he is nine and a half. He's making good progress with ABA. My question is just in case he had ASD from birth itself, can this factor impact his progress? Thank you so much. What's an it's amazing question. There. What a great question. Yeah. This is the sort of question that I usually actually get when I meet parents in person. Uh -huh. So there's a lot of stuff in here. So yes. I, I'm going to need to go through it again. Okay. So weak crying, no. You're, that's Those are actually pretty good APGARs. Six and nine. I mean, uh -huh. nine being the second APGAR, I wouldn't worry about that. These are very good APGARs. Okay. So that in itself is fine. Um, yes, the bubble in the lungs and so on observation, it's worked itself out he, he hit his milestones and then he didn't have any issues until 10 months when he yeah. had some sort of surgery mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> 10 months that's more and then you said that there was and they didn't bond with her yeah and I wouldn't worry about that very much either because we tend to go back and start to really uh, obsess about those types of things and it's not like you can tell very much about the bonding stuff occurring more questions that I would have would have to do with other areas of his functioning which I'll ask you in a minute okay but um, some language not very functional he did have some until 15 and then it vanished exactly okay Okay, that period, 10 to 15 months, is the period I'd be looking at. Right. Because there's something else that's going on. It could be a multitude of different things. Okay. And I, I uh, not, not that I want to be necessarily the person that says, oh, it could be related to vaccines, because, of course, I'm going to get tons and tons of emails about that issue. But the truth is that... Something, the way that I see autism is that there's some genetic predisposition, mm -hmm. let's just ignore that, some environmental factor kind of triggers that. Right. And what is the environmental factor? In your son's case, I don't think that it was at birth, okay. but um, hey, who knows, it could have been. It could have right. been something congenital, of course. But the bottom line is that whether it was at birth or at 10 months or at 15 months, it caused a um, his immune system perhaps to not be as strong or, or regulated as the typical immune system. And then um, it interacted with something at 10 or 15 months and that caused the loss of speech. When you have a, a loss of speech, that's pretty much the infraction period. That's yeah. a pretty clear thing. And the question is now, what could have these things been? Right. One thing is, post-surgery, he would have been given antibiotics. Um, you would want to look at his gut flora, and you'd want to make sure that you're giving him a lot of probiotics, and that he's perhaps, uh, you would consider whether or not he needs a special diet, whether or not he's uh, actually able to digest all foods properly and benefit from them if he has allergic reactions to certain foods. Those types of things become, this is sort of where I would poke around with if I had this patient in front of me. Okay. The second thing of obviously is that there that it is possible because he was having surgery that his vaccine schedule was off and that it, um, vaccination occurred somewhere close to that range of time. Uh, not that the vaccines are bad. Let's get this straight. The vaccines right. are great. It's just that 
with our kids who have immune deficiency um, and if it is close to some other illness perhaps uh, the vaccines can pretty much throw you off for a multitude of different reasons right. this is a child who's now nine so they nine would have they would this we're in 2012 13 i'm trying to calculate this child potentially could have also been exposed to thimerosal because that earlier on at like uh, uh you know the detox i think that was supposed to be right at the point when it wasn't but what we're finding out is that there were still some on the oh, shelves because yeah. gem yeah. is the exact same age right and they were telling us no, no 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 there aren't and then we've heard of some people saying no when they looked at the serial number there were still some on the shelves so it's an oh, iffy uh, time for period. sure there's no question yeah. my daughter is 11 and and, uh, you know, I had to have multiple arguments with doctors in order to avoid the DTAP. But right. when she was a baby, um, they had, uh, they, you know, I would get into these discussions with the physician and they were trying to, like, vaccinate my kids. And I'd be like, there's thimerosal. And they would say, no, there isn't. It's been removed or whatever. And I'd right. be like, bring me the bottle. Right. And then they'd bring the bottle and I would show them where it would say preservatives. And right. then a tiny, tiny print. Thimerosal. Right. So anyway, um, I know that there was still, yeah, a lot yeah. of, majority of doctors did at that point still have. So could be, that's a test. I mean, you can test these things for when you are concerned about looking backwards, then I would really connect with a physician who is uh, experienced in this area. And again, I'll throw out MAPS is an uh, yes. organization that trains a lot of physicians and I'm sure they'll grow very fast. And the physicians who run MAPS, Dr. David Berger and Dr. Dan Rosignol, both excellent physicians. They have a lot of other experts who speak about and train other physicians on how to, how to screen for these types of issues. And um, I'm really happy that Dan made that organization happen, Dan and yeah. David both, because it's a very useful organization. So, you know, they will be able to screen your child and see if your child actually does have issues that pertain to the vaccinations, whether it's the <clears throat> measles vaccine or it's the D tap which had the the thimerosal the question is what other things you would have to ask yourself what other things could have potentially happened during that time frame and you want to look at everything it's uh, illnesses use of antibiotics you know um, exposure to certain elements like thimerosal for instance or other things um, a lot goes on this is when we start solid foods um, you know 12 months or so or, or 10 months for sure or six months and that period you know so the food content could have been toxic to your child you need to do a panel to identify if there are any allergens in your child's life um, and you need to do probably a metal toxicity test to see if there's any metal toxicity test uh, toxicity going on all of those types of things now with all of that great um, you're trying to determine when I'm not sure why you're trying to determine when the only importance of when is that it somehow it somewhat affects the severity so if it's earlier you're probably going to be have a little bit more severe impact of mm -hmm. autism if it, if the this, if it happens later you're going to have somewhat of a lower which is why we usually find with our families who have two children mm -hmm. the second child is usually a little bit lower in the severity they have less impact of autism and that's right. typically because the parent is so knowledgeable at that point right. uh, that they don't let the child get exposed to too many things right now with your ABA, now let's talk about current, great that your child is doing ABA. Mm -hmm. I wonder how many hours and I wonder how, what quality. Right. Because a lot of times when our kids reach 8, 9, and 10, we sort of 
think it's a lifelong let me just get some people in there who are going to maintain him forever right just make sure the quality of aba is extremely important the amount of aba is extremely important just make sure it's not you know you're not the, in most cases children are in school and the parent is told oh we're doing aba and there's really no aba happening right so if you want like an evaluation or someone to go out and observe your school program or your therapy program we can do that for you um, or find a uh, you know find a really good reputation provider who near you who can evaluate your program and perhaps assist we also do that we just oversee other people's programs we right. can do that too I just want to make sure that people don't give up on our kids when they're like nine or ten yeah. and think this is okay we're behind it's behind us anyway it's not that right. gentleman that you wrote that who wrote in there he yeah. was with us till I think 14 yeah you know, so, it's, so it's very important, yeah. Two things I want to mention really quick, because we didn't at the beginning of the show, that I want to point out that when Dr. <coughs> Green wrote a lot of great details, which is wonderful, because that helps to be able to target the answer. But I want to make sure that everybody knows we can't give child-specific advice, right. even when you give very specific details Thank in you your for messages. That. And I apologize, because I do get so involved with the families. I'm no, trying to it's help wonderful. Them. I don't give... but, but we don't want to in any way be misunderstood that you know, we're speaking in generalities and um, that there's no way that Dr. Grand could know everything that she would know if your child were directly in right, front of her. So right. we all understand that. And the other thing that I want to mention is that uh, the partnership, we've talked about it before on the show with uh, Lineagen, that if, you're, right. if you have oh, questions right. Thank and, you. And, and are curious about uh, wanting to know whether your child has a genetic uh, predisposition, that you can um, call Lineagen and they will find out whether your insurance will cover it or what the cost would be to you. And you can answer that that portion of the question for yourself by getting that panel and knowing if your child was genetically, if there are genetic factors in your child's autism, which is a pretty fascinating right. thing. And actually they're, they're awesome. What they're doing with us, because we're doing research right now, we're trying mm -hmm. to get all of our kids, as many of our kids at CARD sampled as we can, because I really want to connect the genotype to the phenotype, you know, yeah. sort of try to sort out what autism is. But yeah. <clears throat> our kids are getting an offer of, they, you only pay $99, I believe. Wow. And then they get the coverage from, <clears throat> excuse me, other sources like insurance and so on. And I think they're trying to work out a system where if you're insured, most insurance companies will cover this. Yeah. Because it's genetic testing, you have every right to do this. So I don't think that there are um, companies that don't cover this type of thing. Okay. You just need a physician to write a script for it, and that's it. So okay. it, it's a very good idea. Okay, so uh, all fascinating, great advice, and, and hopefully that answers some of your questions. I wanted to go back to, because there sure. were some that were on your site that we haven't been able to get to. Right. Um, yeah. So, something that jumps out at you that you want to answer, because there's a well, list I mean, of them. Where there's I wanna... so many of them, yeah. Yes. And I, I feel bad, because I mean, some of these will actually take a lot of time to uh, respond to. Uh, in general, a lot of people, uh, and I sh there's see at least two on the vaccine issue, yes, and I should absolutely. probably 